Hey guys, it's Kim and I'm here with Adrian. And today on the podcast, we are going to be discussing choices you can make while you're single that will help you flourish in your single years and increase your odds for an enjoyable, lasting marriage later. It's kind of like you're loving your husband before you even have one. Well, today, Adrian, we are talking with Sean and Jenny Richards. As a young man, Sean was looking for a woman who was hot, holy, and willing to live in a hut. And we are going to hear more about them, their story, and get some advice about discovering your purpose and finding a mate to team up with. Sean and Jenny, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Yeah, it's such an honor to be here with you guys today. You know, I am so excited to dive into your story because this is the first time we're ever getting to talk, but I have heard a lot about you guys and just the life that you're living for God and the heart that you have to reach unreached people across the world. And you guys are living quite an adventurous life on an island, an island with an active volcano in Papua New Guinea. And I heard that you guys even have an escape boat just in case the volcano ruptures. So Sean, why in the world is your family living on an active volcano? You know, it, it sounds crazy when someone else says it, but I am completely convinced that we are absolutely sane. Um, <laughs> we live on Monom Island in Papua New Guinea, uh, where they're serving as church planters and Bible translators with Ethnos 360. Um, currently, we're in the process of learning the Monom culture and language. In, in the coming years, we'll be translating the Bible and teaching God's word uh, in the Monom language for the first time. Wow. And so how long have you guys been there? Uh, we have been on the island for a couple of years now, um, and we're two-thirds of the way through with the process of learning the language there. Wow. That is some exciting, meaningful I mean, work. Yeah. I mean, Sean and Jenny are our missionaries. Sean and I are part of their support team, and so we have tracked with them. We've known Sean since he was a student at the University of Arkansas, and so it's been so fun to kind of track with them all this time, and they are living on an active volcano, and I just, I just, it just, it's so amazing, and I just have so much um, respect for you guys, and it's really an adventure to watch you, like, following them on Instagram. Jenny will post things about the kids playing at the beach. Um, and, you know, it. one of the things that I enjoy is following Jenny on Instagram. And she just posts pictures of their everyday life. And it is just amazing um, to see what their daily life is like. And I love meeting missionaries face to face because I think sometimes you can read about them in books or hear about them and you go, do people actually do that. Like that seems just so crazy, but I love getting to see you guys right now and for our listeners to hear y'all's stories and just really see that. Yeah. Like God has desires for all people to know who he is from all tribes, all tongues, all nations. And you guys are just a small part in getting to reach a tribe that doesn't know God. Yeah. And I think sometimes Sean and Jenny, you know, those of us who aren't living on an active volcano, we look at people who do that type of thing and you're just larger than life. So I would love for you guys to share a few things about yourselves just to help everybody know that you're just normal, everyday people um, following God and his purpose for you. Well, we have three boys, 
who are 10, 8, and 6. And um, I grew up in Arkansas. Love Arkansas. I mean, we're we're not like super spiritual giants by any means. Like we're just normal people. Um, we we have struggles just like everyone else. We fight in our marriage sometimes. Um, you know, we make mistakes with our kids, raising our kids, and we have to go back and apologize. And um, you know, we we're not anything special. All we are is just people willing to put our yes on the table for God. You know, Sean and Jenny, when I think about your life and your story, I think about this phrase that I learned in college, master, mission, mate. In college, I was challenged to discover my purpose and my mission in life. And the guy who spoke regularly in college shared with us this concept for making life decisions, and it was called Master Mission Mate. And Sean and Jenny, it's it's the phrase that comes to mind a lot when I think about you guys and your story. So Adrian, if you'll give me a little monologue here, I'm just going to go off on it because I just think it's so important and so helpful. But, um, you know, I learned that it's important to get your master first. You know, who is going to be calling the shots in your life and to enter into a relationship with Christ? And then the next step, once you establish who your master is in life, is to discover your mission. And so that answers the question, you know, God, if you're my master, what do you want me to do with my life? And so it's important for us to discover our purpose and what we're supposed to be living for and to plug that into what God desires for believers um, to do in life. And then once you get your master and then your mission, then you find a mate, someone you can partner with to um, live out the mission that God has for you. The thing I love about y'all's story, Sean and Jenny, is that you um, you found your master, then you discovered your mission, and then you um, found a mate, and now you're living that out. So would you guys share a little bit about how you entered into a relationship with Christ to make him master of your life? Yeah, so I grew up in a Christian home in North Little Rock, Arkansas, and I came to Christ at a young age and also grew up with bits and pieces of missions, um, being absorbed into my life. Yeah. My story is uh, a little bit different, a lot of bit different than Jenny's. Um, I didn't grow up, uh, going to church or anything like that. Uh, by the time I went to college in, I mean, even back in junior high, if you would have asked me if I believe in God, I would have said no. Um, and I ended up at the university of Arkansas, grew up in Northern Iowa. And so I was a long way from home and I'm living in Humphreys hall, hump dump. And uh, it was the worst dorm on campus. At the time, it didn't have any air conditioning. It was the only dorm like that. And so it was all the freshmen that had like no value to the university were crammed into this dorm. Um, but there were some upperclassmen who chose to live there. And, um, and they were already living on mission. Um, they were there to share the gospel with all these incoming freshmen. And uh, I've always been a Gregorious person. Uh, and back then, uh, not only was I Gregorious, but I was also inebriated almost all the time. And, uh, and so these guys, they had some boldness when they came and knocked on my door one Tuesday evening, or not Tuesday, it was uh, Thursday evening. Um, and so they came and knocked on my door, and they shared the gospel with me. And for the first time, 
I understood a phrase that I had heard a million times. I had heard a million times that Jesus has died for your sins, but there was no context to that. And I didn't know why that mattered. Who cares? Everyone has sin. You know, what does it matter? And, um, and so when I heard the, the gospel explained in a clear manner where we are separated from God because of our sin, because he is holy and perfect. And um, because we are sinners, we're separated from him. But he wanted to reconcile that relationship and that Jesus came and died on the cross and all who believe in him will be saved. Um, that, that made sense to me for the first time, why it mattered that Jesus died for your sins. And, um, you know, I lied to him that they were good evangelists. They tried to get me to make a decision then and there. And I lied to him and said, I made that decision, you know, a few weeks before, but man, it was really encouraging to hear their message. Good job. You know, that sort of thing. Send them on their way. I thought I was, I was Scott clean, um, and, or Scott free. And well, one of the guys, Joe, he would call me up every Tuesday to take me to Stumo, a large group meeting. That's where I met, uh, Kim and, Sean and um but it was six months later when I actually became a believer and um and I was struggling with whether or not God would forgive me for some of the things I'd done and it, it took a realization and some of you listening might understand this uh feeling where you know how bad you are and some of the things you've done you don't know if God would ever forgive you for that um and I realized that it wasn't what I had done, but it was the fact that I was a sinner and that's why I sinned and not the other way around. I wasn't a sinner because I sinned. It was the other way. And, um, and that was a light bulb for me. And that morning, um, in summer 2005 on a Saturday morning, I prayed to receive Christ. I mean, I didn't need to pray. Like I already believed, but I thank God for, um, what he had done for me. And from that moment forward, man, everything had changed. Um, I sought out discipleship immediately and got plugged in with that campus ministry. And uh, yeah, the rest is kind of history from that point forward. Wow. That's an amazing what a story. story. Isn't that amazing? I yeah. mean, it's so fun. And to think just like how much your life has changed since that moment. And so what made you want to be a missionary? Okay. Well, for me, um, I heard about missions growing up little by little. There wasn't like one single moment where I was like, felt like I'm going to be a missionary. It just, um, I was just exposed to it over and over again, multiple times throughout my childhood and college and, uh, grad school. And I was just, I just always had an interest. I always wanted to hear the stories. I always wanted to learn more about it. And, um, I was taking a class at one point just to learn more about missions. I was taking perspectives class and when I was going through grad school and I was just kind of searching and seeking what my next steps were going to be in life. Um, and that was about the time that I met Sean. So. Yeah. And something that she left out of that is uh, while she was in grad school, one of her professors said, you know, if you want to marry a certain type of person, you need to be where that person would be. And she knew that she wanted a godly man. And so one of the reasons she took perspectives is because she wanted to find a man who <laughs> wanted to be a missionary. You wanted to find that hot, holy, willing to live in a hut type of guy. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't just Sean looking for that. You were looking for it too. <laughs> um, but for me, uh, you know, after I got saved, um, 
I remember going to uh, the winter conference and then to the summer project and I would hear about missions and the thing that jumped out to me that really just hit me right between the eyes was the idea of access. Um, I didn't get saved until I was 19. I didn't clearly hear the gospel until I was 18. But at any point in my life, if I wanted to, I could have sought it out and found it very easily. Um, but I learned about languages that don't have access to God's word in their own language, that they don't have access to the gospel. And that broke my heart, not just for them, that they don't have the opportunity to experience the grace that I experienced in my life, but also for God, because I understood that that's his creation. And he loves every tribe, tongue, and nation. And he told us almost 2,000 years ago to go and make disciples of every tribe, tongue, and nation. And it hadn't happened yet. And he is yet to be glorified by those language groups. And it broke my heart for God and, and just knowing that it's what he desires and knowing who he is, he's worthy of that praise. And uh, scripture backs that up, you know, uh, Revelation 7, 9, um, every tribe, tongue, nation will be present worshiping the Lord, uh, singing, you know, holy is the lamb who is slain. And um, so that's, uh, that was a huge burden for me. And, uh, you know, when it comes even to the idea of a missionary call, I didn't wake up one morning and see Papua New Guinea written in the clouds. I didn't, I didn't get a text message that said, hey, this is God, go. You know, I, I didn't get that. Um, but what I had was a strong conviction that I had a responsibility, that I needed to do something. And as time went by, I knew that I was willing to go and I had a desire to go. Um, and I thought everyone had that. And it wasn't until I was a little more mature to realize that, no, that's not normal. Um, that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God putting on my heart that I need to go. And that was my calling. It was conviction. And, uh, and at that point, it was just, how was I going to respond to what God was prompting me to do? Wow. Thank you so much for sharing this. You know, it's so fun, Adrian, to get to hear in the, behind the scenes in the missionary's heart, you know, what is driving them um, to do the work that they're doing. And speaking of that, could you guys give us just a little glimpse of what daily life for you is like on the island? Maybe a story or something? Just, you know, I mean, I because I follow you on Instagram, I, I see what your house looks like. I see what your daily life and what you eat. But can you give um, our listeners just a peek of what life is like for you? Yeah, so we live on a primitive island. There's no cars or anything like that. There's Everyone just lives in huts. And we built our house out there a few years ago. So every morning, I homeschool our kids in the morning. And in the afternoons, I go out with our kids and I go and talk to ladies. I meet with them. We learn language together. They teach me about their life and their culture. And it's really humbling to just be a part of their lives that are so different than ours. And um, yeah, there's lots of cooking from scratch and things like that. It's, it's definitely a different lifestyle. We go and pick up all of our groceries and supplies every two or three months from town. We will go, get on a boat and then in the car and drive there to town. It's about a five hour trip to get supplies 
And our people, they're subsistence livers, so they plant their own gardens and that's how they get all of their food, 100% of their food, just from the land. Man, it is just crazy to think that you guys are just real life missionaries living um, like that. And so I'm sure just with anything, there's things that you love and things that are really hard. Can you share some of those things with us? Yes, there's definitely things we love and things that are hard. So things that we love, uh, we like just the slower pace of life and spending time with the people and learning a new culture can be really fun Um, and just building relationships with people that are so completely different from you. It's just a privilege. At the same time, it can be hard to be misunderstood at times or not understand their jokes. And um, there's just a darkness of them just living without Christ that can be really hard to be around. And there's lots of domestic violence that comes along with their culture. And so, and then being away from friends and family and not having the body of Christ, you know, to go to on a Sunday morning or, you know, anything else is, is also really difficult. You know, I can, I know that there are things that you love and that things that are really hard, but I just, as I step back and go, okay, this is amazing. You guys have a key role in helping this whole people group learn who God is and what he's like. And you get to be a part of translating the Bible into a language that they can understand so that they can have access to a relationship with him. And I just, I mean... I just can't wait to get to heaven and just see how God used you guys through this day to day, the hard struggles, but yet how, you know, what life giving your work is. And I know that must be so fulfilling. So thank you for being there and for loving the people. You know, I, um, I would imagine that we have some listeners who are like, are panicking right now because they're like, I knew it. If I start following God, he's going to send me out to a tribe to live an isolated life on an island. Um, What would you guys, how would you guys respond to that? I would just say that it's okay to be scared. Obviously, I don't know if God's calling anyone to do that right now or not, but if he is, you don't have to worry about the big picture. You just take one step at a time and he'll meet you where you are in all of your fears and um, cause that's what he's done for me. And so, yeah, just trusting him with your fears. And I know for you guys, obviously your mission right now is being uh, a missionary in Papua New Guinea. And so, um, obviously you address a little bit, like that's not everyone, not everyone's going to end up as a missionary, but we are all called to live on mission. And so what advice would you have for a young woman who is trying to find her mission or her purpose in life? If you're trying to find your mission or purpose in life, uh, the first thing you have to ask yourself, is it your life? Is it your purpose? Is it your mission? And if it is, you're already on the wrong track. Um, You need to figure out what God's purpose is for the church and for believers. And then ask yourself, God, how do I fit in to your purposes? And the great thing is God's a good father. He's not, he's not a bully. He's not going to, torture you um he wants to give you the things that you desire if they line up with his his plan his purposes um and so uh if you've already got this idea that he's gonna like trap you into something horrible like he's probably not gonna do that um he he wants he's a good father and so figure out what god's purpose is and figure out how you fit into that and, you know, and be flexible. 
hold those hold those desires open-handed because as you grow as you mature those things change and god can lead you places you never imagine yourself being um because as he works in your life your desires tend to change as well yeah i've seen that in my own life i would have never thought i would be on staff with a college ministry when i graduated i had no idea intention to stay longer than the initial three years and never thought I'd do a podcast like we're doing now where we're getting to help others grow spiritually. So kind of wild to think where, where God has led me. Yeah. Just one step at a time. Okay. So obviously the dating scene is tough for anyone, but I can only imagine what it must be like if you're someone who's like, man, I want to live on mission and maybe that's living somewhere foreign. And so for you right now, you guys are tribal missionaries. And so yeah, when did you decide that you wanted to be a tribal missionary and how did finding a mate fit into that? Well, um, yeah, I talked about earlier, I was uh, convicted uh, to be a missionary and like God just put that burden on my heart. And I heard some really great talks about if you want to be a missionary and also about um, about dating relationships. In fact, uh, Kim and Sean, they did a relationship conference uh, at the summer project I was at and, you know, just hearing the things that they were saying and, and applying that into um, what God had for me. Um, I had to go through this process of figuring out who, what kind of woman would I want to date or should I be dating? And, um, and so immediately, like I knew, like it had to be a specific type of person. And so um, I was very purposeful. I didn't ask a girl out on a date if I knew that she um, wasn't interested in missions at, at all. I wouldn't even consider her. Um, and I was just very, very specific. I know Kim has said this before, but, and, and her husband, Sean, but it's like, yeah, if you're, if you're running a race hard after God, it's like you start running. And then after a while you start running, you just look over to your right or to your left and see who's running with you. And so I feel like you did that same thing of, Hey, I'm going to go be a church planner. I'm going to go get this training and I'm going to look to my right and my left. And there you were. Yeah. Well, I boiled it down to what I was looking for, uh, in a mate and, you know, Sean and Kim, they at their relationship conference, they talked about having non-negotiables in the spouse. And, you know, some some people had really specific lists. I mean, it was like a notebook. They had a, like, uh, you know, a little journal just filled with their list of all their non-negotiables. And I, I was like, that is too specific. I boiled it down to three things um, that she had to be holy, hot, and willing to live in a hut. And, you know, that's, that's what I was focused on. And, you know, I thought it was, it was time for me to cut off the process, you know, that late into college before going to training, because, you know, I'll just find that person off to my left or right as I'm, as I'm going through this training program, but that's not what God had planned for me. And I, I had no idea um, that this was going to happen. It was a shock to me, um, but man, he is faithful. Well, tell us how you met. Well, we met while we were working at a, um, counseling agency in Fayetteville actually we just both worked there together and I was interested in missions and but didn't really know what that was going to look like and he was also I, I already had heard that he was a believer and that he was going to be a missionary and one day at work I saw him and I was going to something that evening 
on missions um, at my church. And I told Sean, hey, I'm going to hear this um, guy talk about like church planning and PG tonight. And he was like, oh, I just had lunch with him because I have to work tonight. I can't go to it. And I'm signing up for training and I'm going there in a few months. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. And that was that. And I didn't think anything of it, honestly. I didn't think anything about him and I. So also, like how we started hanging out was um, I had a friend who had a crush on another one of Jenny's friends. And so I started playing the wingman. I got Jenny's phone number and I'm texting her trying to set up group hangouts and all this stuff because I'm like, I'm going to find a wife down the road. I'm trying to do a solid for my good friend here. And, uh, and so I'm trying to set those up and, um, you know, after several hangouts and everything, Jenny had no idea what was going on. Like, is Sean interested in me or not? And I'm not even, Think about that. I'm just thinking about my friend trying to help him out, and uh, and he wasn't moving forward. But through that, um, it was one of those things. Like I realized, man, she's a godly woman. Like she meets the holy mark. Like she is a godly woman, loves the Lord, is interested in missions. So she crosses the hut thing. She's willing to live in a hut. And you know what? I'm attracted to her. Like I think she's a beautiful woman. Like she's three for three on the holy hot willing to live in a hut and um, I was like man it's like six weeks before I'm going to go off and start training um, God is this what you have and I prayed about it and you know I just didn't feel like he was saying no and I had this desire and so I asked her out on a date and um, yeah she said yes and uh, I didn't realize but she was waiting, like wondering, is he ever going to ask me out? Um, but, you know, on the second date, I got real with her too. Um, I told her, I'm not looking for a, a girlfriend. I'm looking for a wife. And if God at any point makes it clear to you, we're not supposed to be married, then break up with me because I don't want to drag on a relationship that, you know, isn't going to lead to marriage. And he also said he was going to be a tribal missionary. And, you know, I wasn't interested in that. Like we could just break it off, you know, like right away. So, so that's just really fun how God brought you guys together. You know, I, and there's so many more things that we could talk about, but let's start to kind of wrap things up a little bit. Um, what can we learn from your relationship? You know, you guys are past the honeymoon stage in life. You're well-seasoned in your relationship with Christ. You're well-seasoned in your work and you're well-seasoned in your marriage what advice would you have for those on the front end, you know, that are maybe starting to follow Christ or trying to learn how to date God's way? Like what advice would you have for, for single women out there who are discovering God's purpose for them and desiring to find someone to do it with? Um, my advice is don't wait, start living now for Christ. Um, and you know, if he's going to bring that person along, he's going to see you and, you know, he'll pursue you. But um, don't don't wait. Just live for Christ. Sean and Jenny, is there anything else that you'd like to share that we just haven't had a chance to talk about yet? Maybe it's about life in the field or um, advice that you'd have to people that want to be a missionary or even just to grow your heart for the world. Like what what advice would you have to share? Whatever it is that's stopping you from taking that next step in faith um 
God is there with you and he can handle, he can handle it and he can take care of every fear um, and worry that you have. And um, it's always worth it to, to trust God and step out no matter how scary it feels in the moment. Whether it's, you know, people who are missionaries or want to be missionaries, whether you're a single woman or you're married, um, know God and pursue that relationship above all else. You know, the thing about Jenny early on in our dating relationship, when, when I learned this about her, it was just, it was so beautiful to me. Um, that I learned that she had been keeping a prayer journal like for years since she was a teen and like was consistent in writing and in journaling to God um, through the highs and through the lows. And that was always like her foundation was her relationship with God. And, you know, even to this day, she continues on and it's had to adjust because life gets busy when you start having kids and you're a missionary and you got to learn language. But, you know, she's still um, finding a way even now, like developing even like her own prayer journal to be able to be consistent in prayer time. Um, and being about knowing God and, and fostering that relationship is so important. You know, I'm glad you brought up the point about um, the prayer journal. And Jenny, you have actually put together a prayer journal that people can actually buy, correct? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I just recently developed um, a, a journal that has monthly prayer prompts to pray through. I just found myself as a busy mom, like learning language and everything, just forgetting everything I wanted to pray for. And so I just developed a tool where It'll have categories like um, my church, my friends, my ministry, missionaries, things like that. And each at the beginning of each month, I can write out um, those prayer requests and then I pray through them for the month. And then at the end of the month, I write down the answer prayers from that month and I can look back on God's faithfulness. So, yeah, I just wanted to share that with other people who are equally as busy as me. So. Oh, I love that. Well, we'll link all that in the show notes and, uh, but we're excited to see it and, um, yeah, and get a copy. I'm excited. Okay. Um, also if you are interested in finding out more about Sean and Jenny's work among the Monom people, um, we're going to link that also in the show notes. I mean, I, we love being a part of their support team, their financial support team. We pray for them regularly and give to them regularly. And it feels like we have an investment in the work as well. And so if you don't have a missionary, perhaps consider supporting them. And I'll leave the information in the show notes so you can find out more about that. You know, to all of you listening, I hope you have enjoyed learning more about real life missionaries and that you're motivated to discover your own purpose in life and to trust God in the journey he has for you. And it's been wonderful having this conversation with you, Sean and Jenny. We're so thankful that you've taken time to be with us and to talk about your life and work there. Adrian, it's been a pleasure to have you with me once again. And to our listeners, we're so grateful that you've taken time out to spend time with us. I hope you've enjoyed our conversation with Sean and Jenny, and we look forward to talking again next week. 